Let's get wild in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope everyone's hungry. <laughs> Brandon, like, he'll, he'll put that in to the show right off the top, too. That's what he does to me. I mean, special bloopers. Ones, ones that make me giggle, I always keep yeah. in there, yeah. <laughs> Natalie, fire it up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I'm Natalie Dillon, joined by my co-host, Travis Frank. We are here at headquarters in the Twin Cities, but as we talk today, we're discussing State Fair. On the State Fair. uh I think most people go there for the food. Yeah. If not most, I'd say a lot of them go there for the food. And I was just thinking about this the other day. Just up the street, we're in the North Woods. It's a section of the State Fair. There's a restaurant called Giggles Campfire Grill. And I, there's two things that I have to get at the State Fair every single year. It's the walleye cakes and the duck wontons are mm. by far, I've, I've tried a lot of fair food. Those two items are my absolute favorite. Walleye More cakes, than cheese curds? Yes. Walleye cakes and the hard duck to beat. wontons. You would, there's Hi. this dipping sauce that comes with it, Natalie. It is to die for. I cannot leave the fair without trying it. I try it and tell me Sounds I'm wrong. Good. That's all I'm saying. Are you setting us up for a segue here? I think we because can. Because that is a really, that's a really good reveal, setup. <laughs> yeah, we can reveal what we want to talk about today. So on today's episode, and we, we promise we're getting somewhere, but we knew we knew heading into this, it'd be a little bit of a, a jumbled mess of a few things, but we're the main, mess. yes, we yeah. are literally, but, um, the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is wild game and fish. So some of our favorite things to eat, some of our favorite recipes. And I have to ask what you were just talking about. Do you, have you gotten the recipes for them? Have you tried to make them? No, the duck wontons no, or the wild I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've made duck want, I've made actually, um, we were, I, Brandon and I would just recorded a, a different podcast for the Upland bird hunting TV show that we host called the flush. And we got into all kinds of food. And one of the topics was uh, pheasant Rangoon and which I thought, you know, when we walked through it, it was like cream cheese wontons. Yeah. Yeah. And I made sharp tail grouse wontons with my kids last year. My mm-hmm. wife and I did. And she, you know, we, we like to make recipes that are hands on with our kids, yeah. especially when it comes to wild game. It's just fun. But that one, was pretty good. It's not quite like the duck wontons, but it had some similarities to it. I've not dug into their recipe. It's one of those things where it's like you don't, you just let it be and then yeah, you yeah. enjoy it when you're there. And who knows, maybe it's the the atmosphere that makes it good too. That I, always I adds know. to it, yeah. but sounds good. I'm going to try them this year and I might try to recreate them. Do it. And then share the recipe episode. with me and maybe, maybe our listeners. Yeah. And so before we get into our favorite recipes, you were just on a, a trip last week. Yeah, I was on an island on Lake of the Woods for four days, five days, something like that. And I think, you know, when you and I were texting about this, this show, that really kind of triggered the, the food side of the wild game and what we like to do in the outdoor world. Because there is nothing in the freshwater fishing area that we have here that compares to shore lunch of a freshly caught walleye that you pulled up on an island, you cleaned within an hour of catching it, and you cook it. It's partly the the taste of the food, but partly just the setting. Mm -hmm. And so every time that I have that, I'm like, gosh, this is why, Natalie, I have never ordered walleye off a menu at a restaurant in my entire life. And I never will. If you've ordered walleye in a restaurant, I don't think you understand that it's a completely different Mm -hmm. food group. 
I love that you bring it up because this was my first entrance too into eating something that I caught myself. And it was exactly that Northern Minnesota walleye shore lunch. And I do remember thinking at the time, is the fish really this much better or is it just because I'm in great company and it's beautiful, but it's both. It's there both. isn't anything better than fish that was just caught an but hour before. When I go hunting, it's the exact same way. I go camp out on the prairie bird hunting pretty regularly for our TV shows. And I try to eat at least one meal right there, right in the field. And every single time, whoever we're with, does not matter what we make. They're like, this is the best that it's ever been. And it's because you're, you know, like one time I'm thinking back to being out in the badlands of North Dakota and you're just, there was antelope or they're off on this one ridge. And then there's just a herd of cattle grazing over here and these rolling bluffs and the sun is setting and you just put on these miles and the dogs are tired and, um, you know, you just cook up this meal and we did sharp tail grouse and we picked the berries off of the trees uh-huh. that we flushed the birds in. And it wow. was just like, we made this sauce, we smushed up the berries and it was just this like unbelievable meal. And when you're out there in the same place that you harvested, whether it's fish out on an Island or in the field, there's just something about it. And if you can cook it over an open fire, mm-hmm. it just makes it that Another much dimension. Better. Another dimension. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you've been hunting and, and fishing for food that you've kept really your whole life. Is it yeah. just about the, the flavor and the experience for you? Or are there other reasons that you've fallen in love with, you know, getting your own food like that? Um, there's this unexplainable reward that mm-hmm. comes from it. If you go out there on your own and you harvest it, you bring it back, you take good, I try my best to take good care of the meat, fish or wild game, whatever I'm hunting. And then I, you know, whatever I deem to be like, if I, when I take a deer, the tenderloins are the first thing. Like I don't really ever freeze them. It's mm-hmm. just, I know either that night or the next night or within the next couple nights, we're having yeah. tenderloins on the grill. And there's, you know, there's just this like, ah. Oh, we did that, you yeah. know, and it all came together. And whoever I've enjoyed that hunt with gets to be a part of it. Um, you know, I there are some cuts of meat that are just awesome and some fish. And I've been spoiled as a person that lives near great fishing and, you know, being a fishing guide for so long. But also just, you know, when I eat fish, I eat it fresh. I haven't frozen a fish in over 30 years, mm-hmm. I believe, I, unless... I do try to give my grandma a meal of walleye from time to time. So every once in a while, if I don't get to see her right away, I will freeze some and then bring it out to her. But I personally myself don't keep a fish that I know I won't eat mm-hmm. before the, you know, before they might spoil. Yeah. And it is hard to explain. You were just kind of alluding to it, but that feeling of, you know, eating food that you just, you, you just harvested yourself. It's like, it's, it's very human, you know, it's like yeah. getting, kind of getting back to your roots. And for me, I love it too, because you know, that the quality of the food is very high and it's, you know, a respectful way to eat fish or eat meat and, and it's just yummy. You know where it came from. Exactly. Nobody else between you and that creature. <laughs> I'm giggling over here. Cause Travis and I both saw my phone just lit up. My mom's calling me. 
I'm watching their dog yeah, right you now. Take this call. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, gotta take go. this call. Everyone can just wait. <laughs> yeah, they're. Uh, I'm watching their dog right now. Bring her on air. He's doing well, mom. Yeah, I should yeah, bring, bring Benny her. here next time. Bring her on air. Yeah, yes. he deserves to meet all the other. Yeah, Ron like we've got Daisy pups. laying over here, yeah. passed out by the door, wishing she was not in this room yeah. with us right now. Instead, chasing Listening something. Listening to us yap. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Natalie. So we did ask again about some listener mm-hmm. uh, questions regarding cooking, preparing food. So do you want to get into that, or you and I have each brought a handful of different wild game food recipes that we want to share? Let's jump into the recipes and we can kind of incorporate, I think, the, the listener questions as we go. Okay. That sound good? That sounds good. Do you want to kick us off or should I? I will start okay. with walleye <clears throat> since we just talked yeah. about it. So I've had walleye in a lot of different ways. And this one, I'm going to give my dad the credit for this recipe. There's not a name for it. It's something that a lot of people will be like, duh. But there's a little bit of a twist to this recipe that I think... Um, kind of just like puts it at another level. When I make it for people, they are like, that's the best walleye I think I've ever had. And um, there's a very popular breading in the Midwest called shore lunch. And it it involves that, but there's a couple of steps to it. So um, you have your fillets. You can either cube them up or leave it as a whole fillet. I like to cube up the fillet because... When I'm putting those into the, the hot oil, um, I, I want to be able to separate a thinner piece of meat from a thicker one because you don't want to overcook a thinner one and undercook a thicker one. You want them to be able to cook at their own pace and take them out of the oil at their own pace. So I like to cube up a walleye fillet. Uh, but first, what I do is I got this fillet, cube it up. I, I dry off both sides of the fillet of fish. Um, I just think that's an important step in the whole process. Dry filet, then I roll it in a mix of 50-50 shore lunch. 50% of it is Cajun style shore lunch, 50% is regular. I want just a little bit Mm -hmm. of bite. I don't want to be extremely spicy, so I I do half and half there. So dry filet, roll it in that that 50-50 mix of shore lunch. Then I have a separate container with egg whites that are beat, mm-hmm. not the whole egg, not the, the big orange in yeah. the middle, just the How egg. How does that change it for you? Um, it just, the egg whites, I, I want a light coating on the, on the piece of meat. Okay. So I, I, I dip it in the shore lunch, then I dip it in the egg whites, then I take it out and I roll it in panko crumbs. Now don't get Italian flavored panko crumbs. It ruins this whole thing. I learned that on accident. I was so excited. We're up in a lodge in Canada, like five years ago. I'm like, guys, wait till you try this. And then I looked at it. I'm like, what did I do? This is terrible. It ruined it. So don't do Cajun, just regular. And what you end up with is like it, that egg white locks in that flavoring, a little bit of Cajun to it. So it's got a little flavor. And then you put the panko crumbs on the outside and now you've got this crunch. So it's like a Kentucky Fried Chicken crunch to it on the outside, but it's not over the top. If you have water on the fillet, it clumps up all of these ingredients. If you have too much, you know, that's why you do egg whites. You just want a thin mm-hmm. layer so that you can taste the fish. You got a little bit of crunch to it. You've got everything. And then you deep fry it, you know, brown on both well, sides. Like well, this is an brown. important, I don't know if you're yeah. going to get there or not. Something I was hoping to talk about. What The big question is what oil do you use? Oh, 
I've gone back and forth with a lot of different oils, and I can't seem to say that, you know, from peanut oil to vegetable mm-hmm. oil, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm always experimenting mm-hmm. with stuff, even this recipe. I don't do it every time. I'll bake fish. I'll yeah. grill fish. I'll try a little bit of everything. I'm always mixing it up, but I feel like I end up going back to vegetable oil, and I don't know if that's the right thing to do. You might be able to tell so, me. So, uh- just for flavor wise, mm-hmm. I was told years ago, peanut oil is a way to go. And right. I've done peanut oil and then some other vegetable oils and those. It's like, you don't ever really know what it is doesn't in live them up anyway. to the peanut. Are you saying? I think the peanut's the best. Yeah. yeah. And that's strictly from a yeah, flavor profile. It's, yep. I mean, it's, it doesn't taste like peanuts, but it's just a little bit, little bit richer. Yeah. And I think it, I don't know if it's just that I do, you know, I don't know if it's coincidence, but I feel like the fish is actually fried better in it too. So. Could be. Yeah. I mean, you, you people, obviously don't want A lot wanna... of people are really partial to their oils. And the thing is, somebody listening right now, they're like, oh, he missed this step or that. Like yeah. there are so many ways to deep fry fish mm-hmm. and so many recipes out there and everyone has them. Brandon, you've got one. Yeah. We used to use like the Crisco vegetable shark uh-huh. and sure. stuff like that. Yep. We fried up our fish as kids. Yeah. 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 Easy and, to transport. And, and if you have a deep fryer, I feel like you get just like the perfect coating. Yeah. I like to cook on a cast iron. I just, the last couple of years, I, almost everything I cook, my wife and I, it's on cast yeah. iron. And it holds the heat really well. It does. Evenly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so then you obviously, you're flipping them. Whereas if you've got a deep fryer, you can drop them in and then take them out, you know, in three minutes. You don't want to overcook them. That just, you know, you don't want it to be tough. You get that perfect gold on both sides and take it off. You know? Yeah. And then my kids just hammer it. And sometimes I'm like, guys, you didn't save any for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sign of a good chef. Yep. Yep. Don't get I, any left for you. Yep. I love, uh, one thing though, that I've learned with the, with that recipe is that it's a little too much on bluegills mm. or just too heavy. Fish. Yeah. Because you've got enough meat in a thick walleye filet. You know, if you've got a 16, 18 inch walleye, it's a, the, the meat is thick enough where you don't typically get that on most bluegills or perch or or crappie. So then I don't go with that recipe on that fish because I want to taste the fish. I like the taste of fish. And if there's too much breading and and seasoning on it, then that dominates it. And I don't want it to dominate Mm -hmm. that. So that's my, that's kind of my favorite way to prepare walleye. Yeah. Do you do like lemon or anything with it or just? You can. Okay. Yeah. You can add your own seasonings on top of it, but you get a little bit of that. You know, I salt it typically. I'll do just salt on it because the Cajun adds a little bit of flavor to it and then you you would mix up your flavors a little bit so i i tend to just salt it that'd be the only thing after the fact yep so while we're talking walleyes i mean yeah frying it's the way to go and what i do is very similar i've used shore lunch a bunch of times especially if i'm like going you know ice fishing or whatever and and, um or up north and gonna cook you know where i am like right on the lake that's an easy way to do it um but i did a few years ago look up a recipe for, you know, making your own quote unquote shore lunch. And that is something I've played around with a a little bit now. Um, And so what I've done is you do like regular white flour Mm -hmm. and then, and I don't know if this is in shore lunch, but cornmeal. And what I do, there's a, a, forget, it's called like pan, this, um, uh, the, the brand of this cornmeal that you can buy. And it's what you make arepas out of. If you ever made an arepa, I don't know. I like making them, but, um, it's basically just like yellow cornmeal. And if you add a yep. little bit of that, it adds a really good texture to it. Um, if it's going to be different than like the pinko, like that crisp crunch, it's going to be like a little bit heavier, yep. but that, not um, quite a beer batter. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, salt, pepper, garlic powder, maybe onion powder, cayenne pepper. You can kind of mix up your own. So it's fun to experiment. And you can also make it ahead of time, put it in a jar, and then bring it with you. So. Absolutely. And on the flour topic, too, flour allows you to kind of get a little bit of a breading, but allows you to add those flavors like you just yeah. mentioned there. So there's some times where I'll do that as well. Like I said, the fun about cooking fish is there's there's so many ways to do it. And one thing that I've learned about over time, you know, like when we go to the Boundary Waters, a group of buddies and I, every year, we, we that's our staple meal for the day is mm-hmm. walleye. You know, that's our dinner meal. And after, if you do in pan, a pan fried meal of fish every day, like the oil just, like yeah. it's yeah. uncomfortable. It's I a can, lot. Like my arteries, I feel like they're clogged yeah. up and I'm not, I'm you not hundred percent me. Yeah. So you then, start like sweating oil. Yeah. Yes, totally. It's not needed all the time, which is yeah. why I've really gotten into baking fish, mm-hmm. air frying fish and grilling fish too. There's some ways where you can just, you know, salt and pepper, lemon pepper is really mm-hmm. good on, yeah. on a filet and you can leave the skin on put them over an open fire or put them on the grill that way. And then you, um, and then you basically just eat it right off of the, the skin like that. It's yeah. so good too. And then you don't have any of the oil or grease. Yeah. I was just looking, I think that one of our, uh, listeners asked about, um, not frying fish. I can't find it. Maybe you can find it, um, as I go through this. But so one of my favorite ways to bake fish that it tastes kind of like you fried it, it gets nice and cr- crisp and crunchy, mm-hmm. but without the oil is just doing a mixture of panko breadcrumbs, cayenne pepper and parsley, and then dipping the fish. And I always do the full egg, but maybe I'm, I should try just doing egg white, dipping it in that. And then, um, the, the breadcrumbs and it feels like it's lighter. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah, I, I, can I don't know how to that. explain it differently. If you, if you just do the egg whites, it feels like it's lighter. Yeah. I'm so yeah, you can do the, the same breading here. and just, yeah, bake it in the oven. To me, if it's like walleye, it's probably going to be a little less tasty without the, the frying it, but, but okay. yummy too. So on this, since we're we're on walleyes right now, we do have some listener questions mm-hmm. that I think we can touch on at this point. So um, Dave Vollmer says, do you recommend bleeding your fish in the live well? Is it dependent on how long before they will be clean, as in a couple hours from the lake to home? Um, so that is a very good question. Typically what I do is shortly before I leave the lake, I've got walleye in the live well of my boat. Swimming there, happy. They don't know what's about to hit them. Or maybe they do because they've been in this little four-foot box. But anyway, 15, 20 minutes before I leave the lake, I will, this is graphic, but I will essentially go in. There's an artery that connects their gill plates. um, And you can either stick your finger in there. Daisy, watch out. She's pulling on on the cords here. Uh, but basically you go in and you can just pull that apart mm-hmm. and it's their main artery and they just start bleeding in the live well. Or you can take a knife and just cut right underneath their neck, basically. And you're going to bleed them out. And what that does is essentially they swim in the water and in, within about a minute, they're completely void of any blood that's left in their bodies. So you you end up with a perfectly white fillet. It's great when you clean the fish, you don't have a mess, but all the blood is completely out. So it's like... You look at it when you're done cleaning, like, holy cow, it looks like, you know, somebody yeah, washed it's, up. It's, it's, the, it's yeah. the deal. It's the way to go mm-hmm. for sure. Well, it's also, it is the most humane for the fish. It's the quickest way really for them to go. 
I don't so, know. I think I so. I mean, it looks really graphic, but it's better than. Let me slit your. Throat. I think it's better. I mean, like you see people out ice fishing, just letting the fish freeze, freeze on the on ice. The ice. And to around. me, I don't know. I'm not a fish myself, but I feel like that's slower and more uncomfortable. I'm not a fish myself. Yes. <laughs> if you were to go. Away. Yeah. If, if anyone's taking Natalie out, she wants to go that way. Um, so Is that going to be how we open the podcast? Are you going to take that sound bite? <laughs> I'm not a fish myself. <laughs> yeah. That's the title of the episode. Yeah. How Natalie wants but, to go out. But I do think that that is, uh, I think it's a humane way to, to kill him. Well, it's definitely the way to get rid of the blood. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. So yeah. I do that. But here's the thing. It, when the water's warm during the summer, I wouldn't do that right away. I wouldn't do that um, hours before I'm going to leave the lake. Some people do it right away when they throw it in. I don't want that. I want, I don't want the fish sitting in warm water because they're then sitting. You know, like you want to take care of your meat. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what kind of animal or bird or or fish that you harvest. You want to take care of that meat. So it's alive right before I'm heading in. I circulate the water in there, get fresh water, and uh, let the bleed out. Then my fillets are great. I keep them cold right away. I don't want to let them heat up. I want to get the fish cleaned as soon as possible. And then you're left with just this ideal fillet. There's a there's a line of bones that run down the center of uh, most fish in the ribs. Uh, it's called the, some people call it the zipper. And basically, if you take the narrow part, the, the part of the fillet down by the tail, um, there's a line running through dead center all the way down the fillet. If you make a small little quarter inch incision on both sides of that. You can grab the filet and literally just pull it apart into two long strips. There's that line of bones that run through the middle. I do that on all of them, especially a lot of people or my dad would always say growing up, Oh, they, they cook out. They true for some people, <laughs> not my little four year old girl. And my wife doesn't like any yeah. bones in there too. So I make sure that I take that, that little zipper out as well, which like I mentioned, I like to cube them up so that, each piece of meat can come out when it's ready. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I prepare a fish for, for eating a walleye anyway. While we're talking about filleting fish, I know Mitch Thornton asked, and I think a few others for tips for filleting fish. And I think it's probably a, a little bit difficult. You just did a great job, but to articulate too much, you know, just in a podcast, but are there, are there resources that you'd recommend people to look at, whether it's like, do you know, have any great like YouTube channels or, or books or anything that are how to, because well, I learn from people in person and yes. I'm still not great at it. And I'm a believer that like it takes a lot of practice and a really sharp knife, but just kind of practice. But there's yeah. probably some great resources online to find too. Well, you actually just cued down to something that's really important. The most dangerous thing you can ever use to cut up any of your wild game fish, birds or animals, deer is a dull knife. Mm-hmm. That that is how you cut yourself. People counterintuitive. Think it's counterintuitive, but, yeah. but a dull knife will hurt more people in the process than a sharp knife. So you always want to keep that narf narf sharp <laughs> knife sharp. <laughs> you always want to keep the knife sharp, Natalie. It's super important. Um, but what I was going to say to that is, you can look at any YouTube video. You can search how to fillet a walleye. You're going to get a lot of results. But if you have somebody that's willing to show you. You can learn really quickly. My grandpa and my dad both taught me when I was really young. So I've been filleting fish since I was probably seven years old, somewhere in there. Uh, my two boys now are already cleaning are fish, they? which is great. They that love is. it. Yes, I, 
I got a rapple of fillet knife for my yeah. son on his eighth birthday, and it's his own knife. And we did a little wood burning W in the on the bottom of it, so it's always going to be his. And those knives might last a lifetime. You know, yeah. that's a cool thing about it. So he's got his own, and he he loves to be a part of it too. Um, just having somebody that's willing to help you through the process yeah. and where, and how being the that angle. person yourself, if, if you yeah, are experienced. Totally, yeah. totally. Yep. Just the angle on how to hold it. Um, you know, it, it makes a big difference than just watching somebody. Yeah. Um, one more walleye recipe or this, I mean, you could really use any, you could use crappie or bluegill for this, but if you have gone through the process already of deep frying it and you just want to spice it up a little. My favorite's just to deep fry it and put some lemon on top and eat it. Mm -hmm. But some really good, just kind of basic, simple fish tacos. I love doing flour tortilla. I like corn tortilla for like different meats, but for fish, I like a flour tortilla, your fried fish, um, super simple, but you know, 50, 50 mayo and sriracha mix. You'll see that type of thing at a lot of restaurants. It's all you need. A little salt if you want to add to it. And then white cabbage, parsley and cojita cheese or queso fresco that like kind of crumbly. It's a firm cheese, but it's like very mild in flavor and you can crumble it over the top. And that is all you need. A couple lime slices. That just got Summertime. me excited. Brandon's yeah. over here excited. Oh my gosh. So I have this fish taco recipe too. Now yeah. we're going to get so sidetracked here. That's like, yeah. I got to stop. I got to stop. But the cabbage adds like this crunch yeah. to it. It's so good. Like you, you got to add the cabbage yeah. to it. It's, and I like really, yes. really small pieces of cabbage. So I try to like slice it really thin or if you I, buy I'm lazy a pack, and I buy the pack. Yeah. Yep. And then I, it's good to kind of run. I don't know. I like kind of running a knife through that too, so that it's just a little bit smaller. You know, you've got yeah. more time. Well, I can pretend like it's homemade when I just run my knife through a. Sure. Cabbage yeah, bag. the carrot in there. Oh gosh, yeah, like yeah. the pre-made calls or cabbage bags or whatever for sure. Yeah, and sometimes even some avocado on there. Oh, did you say avocado? Avocado. Oh, avocado. I don't know. I was gonna point that out too. I'm pretty sure I heard. Av- yeah, whatever. You say jalapeno. You, you talk for an hour, Brandon. We'll pick apart yours. <laughs> um, Any more fish? Any more like Minnesota freshwater fish we want to talk about? Another way to do the tacos, as long as we're on mm-hmm. that. I'll take, and I'll do this with bluegills or crappie or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I will do a blackened redfish Mm. seasoning like they would do down south, and I'll put that over the top of it. And in a cast iron pan, you put just a couple of drops of um, olive oil in there, Mm -hmm. and then get it really hot, and you're blackening your panfish for whatever yeah. filet it is. And then it ends up as I'm flipping it, you know, it's really super hot. I'm burning it. I'm fine with that. It adds just another flavor to the fish. It is so good. Yeah. And then it's in these little tiny chunks anyway, but that's perfect for the tacos. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really good. It is. It's so good. Gosh, oh, now we I gotta could go talk catch about this fish. stuff I know. for so long. Okay. Let's shift gears. So we don't get, uh, we don't make this just a, a, fish, fish. cooking, um, episode. It's the season though. So it's fine. The, it is true. Yeah. Yeah. This episode of Do North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. 
Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. Um, the first thing, the first wild game that I ever cooked myself or that I ever cooked was quail. And so that's something that I have a soft spot for. And this was um, quail that was hunted on family friends property down in Illinois. And um, the way that I did it, and this is something maybe we talked about a little bit with the morel mushrooms. I think that it's really good the first time you're eating something. I'd never tasted quail before, but to try to make it pretty simple. Like we've talked about having, the first time I had morel mushrooms, I had them deep fried and breaded and it was delicious, but I couldn't really taste them very well. It was the same thing the first time I had pheasant, deep fried or breaded and deep fried and it was delicious, but it just kind of tasted like fried chicken. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, with this quail, make it pretty simple, both to make it easy on myself, but also to be able to, you know, really taste it. I'm intrigued right Um, now. So in- Birds like quail, they're, you know, it's small, it's very lean. So somebody asked here about cooking in butter. And I think with those types of birds, cooking in butter is very important because it adds back that As you fat. always say, Natalie, you can Butter's never have too much butter. You. Butter's exactly. good for you. <laughs> exactly. So what I did, and with butter, if anyone, you know, you've probably cooked with it, it can burn pretty easily. So I like doing butter, but with some olive oil in it too, so that the butter doesn't burn. So I got, you know... Cast iron pan, super hot, butter, a little bit of olive oil to balance it out. Um, you can do like garlic and onion and just sear the quail. And then, and quail ahead of time was like just salt and pepper on it and that was it. And then added, I did a bay leaf. You could do like thyme or something like that and covered it and cooked it into the, you know, the quail, the bird was cooked all the way through, added some white wine and then took the birds out of the pan, added in a little bit of heavy cream, just a little bit and poured what was in the pan over top of the birds. What do you think? Sounds amazing. How was it? Very good. Yeah. It was It was a long time ago, and I haven't cooked it again since, but but it was delicious. Well, you need to start hunting quail then. I know. <clears throat> or pheasant. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon and I pheasant hunted last year. He's still waiting on his first pheasant. I, I held up the gun once. Yeah. I almost got to shoot once. So yeah, What was going through your year. mind when you threw the gun up to your shoulder? Like, this is when it's happening? Uh, or. I, not really. I kind of knew like just the way the day was going. I didn't feel like it was going to be anything. And I didn't hear rooster. So, yeah. Uh, just a my, quick uh, sidebar on this yeah. hunt. We went with Scott Franz and the owner uh-huh. of this company. We're like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you guys to this great spot. And, you know, anticipation was high. And we're like, all right, whatever. We got up early. We drove two and a half hours to Western Minnesota. And he he's like, okay, we're going to go here. And it was like, I don't know how or what like every ounce of water in the county went into that section. The and one spot we walked in. Oh so boy! You don't pheasant hunt in water. It's yeah. duck hunt in water. We were wet up to. Did you and have there was some a, good boots on? No, no, I didn't. I had hiking <laughs> boots on. So uh, as they were, did I. Yeah. I didn't get a memo about yeah. waders. Yeah, I yeah. Did and either. I needed waders to stay dry for <laughs> how deep. I my dog went on point because it was like partially frozen in the middle of the slough, and I'm like. I got to go in there and get her out. She's not going to move until I, you know, yeah. bring her out. So I'm almost up to my pockets in my on my jeans in standing Yikes. water in the middle of this cattail. And then a pheasant did get out of there. Yes, but Good. Um, anyway, we are on a mission this year to get yeah. Brandon his first pheasant. Back to you, Natalie. Sorry to sidetrack. No, that's it. That's the only. But another thing that you mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about. So I've heard a lot of people doing quail and other birds with berry sauces. Um, yeah. And I hear people do blueberry a lot with quail. 
Blueberries with grows like okay. is pretty popular yeah. too. It's almost like you want to, and I, I'm a simple chef. I'm not a chef at all. I'm a simple husband that like, we've got kids and busyness and I just make these simple meals. So, but, um, I know people that'll do like a blueberry paste or something yeah. like that with rough grouse. Cause they're in the same, they, they, a lot of people say you want to take the, whatever you're picking like blueberries out of the same forest that you take the bird. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know why, but it, it goes well together. It pairs well, you know, like for sense. sharp-tailed grouse, we were on these buffalo berry bushes out in the Badlands and we literally flushed the coveys out of those buffalo berries. And then afterwards I went back with the little bucket and filled it up with berries and it ended up working. We, we had some bee or some, some honey from some fresh, uh, bees on this other mm-hmm. guy's property that came to hunt with us. Like it was just mixing that all together. Uh, just, I don't know why, but again, we were out there in the middle of the prairie, not a soul as far as the eye could see. And it makes it that much better. I don't know if that would have been as good at home. Truth yeah. be told. I don't know. It sounds if it very good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Isn't yeah. it kind of that you are what you eat? So like if the bird is yeah. feeding on those berries and then you, you know, yeah. you pair it with that bird, it should should be pretty good, that yeah. sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. I think Makes that's sense. kind of, yeah, I've heard of like a blueberry grouse pizza. Oh. Uh, yeah. Bob St. Pierre, a friend of mine from Pheasants Forever, he's, he makes that pretty regularly, okay. and he'll post a picture of that on online, and I'm like, I got to try it. People I, are so creative. They are. And, you know, like you, when you make your food, you've got all these great photos. Like, <laughs> did you go to school to figure out how to take photos of your food? I like that's making things look too. nice. Yes, totally. Yeah. I take a picture, and I'm like, now... <laughs> That doesn't look anything like these. The professional trick is food natural folder. light. You got to turn yes. off all the lights in the kitchen. Bring it I near have a window. That. Yep, yep. Then you're good. Yep. My most of my photos are on the deck because that's where yeah. I do most of my cooking. Yep. Outside, no lights. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So, what's next? Well, I made this two days ago with my kids. Is this what you sent me a picture of? Yeah. Nice. This is kind of I'm where this whole this. Um, this whole recipe topic that we're talking about today came about because I just had shore lunch walleye and now like our freezer from hunting season, you know, I try to space it out so that I have food. I I could eat wild game almost every meal and I wouldn't get sick of it. I love it. Um, But I do, there's, you know, a gap between hunting season, so I can't just go replenish. So my freezer's getting down there right now. I'm ready to get back out in the field and hunt again, but I do still have some birds. So I brought out some Rough grouse and pheasant. And rough grouse, if you're, uh, if you've ever or not ever hunted for upland birds, rough grouse would be the king. They call it the king of the of upland bird hunting species because of the challenge to harvest them. But they are the king as far as table fare. I think a rough grouse tastes better than a chicken, or even mm-hmm. a store bought chicken. You know, some people are afraid of wild game, but rough grouse is so good. Um, I would rate it. Rough grouse and probably chicken, then pheasant and mm-hmm. or quail would be in there too, I guess. I don't know, but they're the top. Anyway, yeah. r- rough grouse wraps or pheasant wraps. My buddy George Lyle uh, turned me onto this recipe years ago, and it's very similar to like pheasant jalapeno poppers, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a little bit different in that it, it's a, it's a wrap. So you take the if you have the breast of the bird, um, you know it's typically like a six inch by four inch breast. Uh, most pheasants or grouse are going to have a little bit thicker. So you want to tenderize it. You want to pat down that breast and flatten it out to about a quarter inch thick. 
my little four-year-old girl, she was beating on it like drums, you know, and we were flattening this thing out. It was great. And, um, so you get it to a real thin piece, okay? Then you dice up jalapenos mm-hmm. and onions. And then um, I usually have a different uh, seasoning that I mix up. You can do like a Creole seasoning. Otherwise, um, I used a sweet and sassy garlic pepper seasoning on some of them. And then there's another one called Grill In, Grill Out. It's made by Excalibur um, seasonings. They're delicious. So you just coat the, the breast with that. You put a big dollop of cream cheese in the middle of it, your diced onions, your diced jalapenos. You wrap up this breast into a ball. And then, of course, you grab two pieces of bacon and you wrap it around to stick a uh, toothpick through it. The bacon adds that extra layer to hold it together, but also the flavors wow. that come from that. So you I have. I thought we were talking lettuce wraps at first, and no, it just got so much no, better than I was expecting. <laughs> all kinds of meat. Yes, lots of meat. So you've got the flavors from the onion. The jalapeno gives a little bit of bite. You got some seasoning in there. You've got the juices of all the different meats in there. Sometimes uh, the biggest mistake people make when it comes to wild game is they overcook it. I shouldn't say sometimes. All the time, mm-hmm. every time, the biggest mistake people make is they overcook it. And so a, a pheasant or even a chicken or a quail or a grouse, they can dry out pretty good. So that the extra moisture you get from wrapping it with bacon kind of locks in that. You know, even the cream mm-hmm. cheese, you just have all these juices that you end up with. You can bake it. I've done that. I've cooked it over an open fire on an island up in Canada. <laughs> it's as good as it gets. Uh, but I usually grill it. And I've got a, a Camp Chef smoker. So depending on how much time I have, I can either go with a real low temperature and just kind of let it sit in there. The ball essentially will kind of like firm up. The bacon will wrap around it. And uh, the juices that come out of it are just Sounds like... so good. It's so good. And <clears throat> I have done this with um, ducks, with okay, geese, yeah. uh, Basically any bird. And traditionally people will say, they'll call Canadian geese sky carp. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the, the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. Um, I've done it with, I've done this recipe with geese and you've got this big three pound breast that comes off of a goose. Well, if you thinly slice it, you're, you end up with something similar. You tenderize that, mm-hmm. eat it down to a quarter inch. And I've had people that don't hunt, that don't eat wild game eat that before and they're like oh my gosh so if you ever want to introduce somebody to wild game any birds this recipe is a for sure win um only because the the flavors that come out of it are just like it is it is so good that's kind of my go-to um when it comes to birds yeah and what we're talking about not letting birds dry out so we talked you know definitely don't want to overcook it Wrapping bacon. <laughs> bacon is kind about, of like the yeah, savior bacon, for people yeah, when it comes to key. Yeah, yeah. Um, cooking in butter is good. And then I've also done a pheasant recipe in um, a butter, again, white wine and chicken stock with like mushrooms and garlic and onion. So being able to cook them in kind of, it was on the stove, but in a good amount of liquid. For me, it was a good like, you know, to make sure I didn't mess up and, and overcook it and let it dry out too much. So cooking it, you know in liquid like that with a lid on it can, can help give listeners a little leeway if you're nervous about overcooking. Yeah. And I think again, like we mentioned earlier, overcooking is the number one mistake people make. And there's something about this is a wild bird that it's dirty or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, there's that feeling that I'm going to just leave it a couple minutes 
longer yeah. to be sure. And that's what ruins it. And then people are like, you know what? I don't really like duck. Mm-hmm. I don't really like pheasant because I was just kind of gamey. Well, it's because you overcooked it. And that is 100% the reason why every single time. It isn't it funny? Takes that- on a different, it takes on a different flavor that isn't enjoyable in yeah. your mouth. Yeah. It's funny that that's where we are culturally, that it seems scarier, seems weirder to eat fish or meat that we get ourselves. It's yeah. like, that's supposed to come from like aisle four, right? Like that's <laughs> right, the clean right. meat. But once you get, you know, used to it and start yeah. eating like that, it's. I think yeah. something should be mentioned too about taking care of your birds. In this case, we're talking pheasants or quail mm-hmm. or grouse. You do not want the bird sitting in your game pouch on a 65, 70 mm-hmm. degree day all day. It's. That meat is sitting there, and you want to take care of it right away if you can. There's also uh, some people that do hang their birds, mm. and they'll hang them for, I don't know, Brandon, do you know how long they'll hang them for? You know what I'm talking about, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, 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 I've done it up to like a week before. And if you mm. have the right temperature, you're in that 30 to 40 degree temperature. Okay. That's kind of ideal for it. Um, they think that the idea is that you're you're – tenderizing that meat by hanging it just kind of like uh, a cow or a pig will hang at the butcher shop before it gets completely butchered. Um, The hanging part of it releases, um, Brandon, you can help me out here, don't you? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I've seen uh, the Reverend Hunter, Tony Jones, he does that with his birds. He hangs them mm -hmm. in the fall and stuff like that. And he does have them up for a couple days, but I don't know exactly the process or why he does it, but I know that's his thing. Either way, if, as long as you're taking the guts out, if we're gonna mm-hmm. get we're gonna get to it here. The guts need to come out because um, you don't want that to kind of you know yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. Keep your birds cool, take care of them, and you will be amazed at the difference in flavor that those birds have. Okay, what same do you with got? fish too. You want to absolutely the, yeah. Any anything out. you're harvesting. I mean yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's no reason that it would be. That you should ever think like, oh, this is a dirty creature. Mm-hmm. I gotta, oh, I gotta cook it longer. Again, it just somehow you need to get that out of your mind when you're going into it. And even if you're looking at it on the plate, like the best meat is medium rare, mm-hmm. or you know, depending on you know, with birds, 165 degrees. That's don't cook it 166. 165 kills anything you need to worry about. Take it off the second it hits that. Get do you a use good, a thermometer always? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I've got a digital thermometer, and I just stick it right in, and boom. Or, mm-hmm. like, if I'm grilling something, uh, my, my camp chef has the little probes that I can run yeah. through, and I'm always watching it, especially with, like, venison or pretty much anything. I don't want to overcook it by a degree. Yeah. You're smart. I have so many more recipes that Brandon, I'm looking at right now. Going? I think we've been going for like 45 minutes. Yep, 45. Yeah. Okay, well, then so we might have to do part me, two again. We, might, like, we get so sidetracked. I know. Well, okay. I can go through a couple of these a little bit quick. Let me jump to salmon. Do tell. Yeah, so I have to like pick and choose because I've got like four things. So let just, me talk okay, smoked just pick salmon. one. And so, if we yeah. need to come back on these later, that's fine. But do justice yeah. to what's, so, what needs to be done here. I love smoked salmon. And I have to come clean and say the only salmon I've caught, and I've fished for salmon probably five or six times, and it's all been kind of like late season salmon that I haven't actually kept, you know, and they are on the runs and they're a little bit 
they get a little questionable near the end of their lives. But I've been given salmon by some of my, you know, angler friends or people that I've fished with. So I love cooking it. Um, my favorite way to eat it. Okay. I'm going to choose my smoked salmon crepes. So smoked salmon. Brandon's over there nodding. (laughs) If you, if you have a smoker yourself or like me have friends that have smokers and you've got some really good smoked salmon, I love making savory crepes. And the way that I did these, I just kind of made it up a couple years ago and it's now like my favorite go-to. So in the crepe mix, and you can just kind of like Google a recipe. It's just like, I don't know, flour, salt, water, little egg, very simple. Add a bunch of fresh dill into the crepe mix itself. Now with crepes, this confuses a lot of people who haven't made them before. You just cook them in a nonstick pan, no butter, no oil, nothing like that. Cast iron work? Mm, Maybe, but I've done it always in like a, uh, what are they called? Just like a, a normal nonstick pan. You could try cast iron, but they really need to, since you don't put any like butter or oil down, yeah. It'd have to be a very well-seasoned cast iron oh, pan, i Oh, that's what I'd ours say. is. I don't cook any okay. without so, it anymore. So try yeah. it and report back. Okay. Um, I'm looking at so, pictures of it right now because I, okay. you've, you've piqued my yeah. interest here. Yeah. So, and you have to have crepes. The, the crepe itself has to be very thin. And I messed this up the first time I made them. I made them probably like a quarter. I mean, they were thin, but they were, they just kind of felt a little like spongy. So you want them like paper thin. So you put a little bit of this crepe mix with dill in the pan um, you just kind of wave the pan around, you know, let the the mix spread out. Cooks for like 30 seconds, very quick. You flip it over and you can just peel it up like with your hands and flip it. Cook the other side. Um, and then you can set the crepes just to the side. They don't need to be served warm or anything like that. So make a bunch of crepes. And then on top, you can either do sour cream, which I've tasted, but I actually prefer just plain Greek yogurt on top. Smoked salmon, hard-boiled egg, capers, lemon zest, and you could do it. I've done avocado. Fold them up. Like, I like to just do it simple. Fold them in half and then in fourths, and then top with a little salt, pepper, lemon zest, little dill on top if you want, and it's delicious. Sounds amazing. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. What are you looking at? Well, I just wanted to verify the temperature on my next... Oh, okay. recipe. Sorry. I was looking at crepes. I was going to say, do you see any other? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. No, it looks yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, look at all these options right here. I'm, oh, sure, yeah. yours, I'm sure yours are, you know. Oh, most... those are so much prettier than mine. I doubt it. So you... this picture I'm seeing, they're like all rolled up and nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like to just yeah, you fold can them in half the and then yeah. yeah. I mean, all those ingredients sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's something you could go to the store. You don't have to go salmon fishing. You can pick That's that true. up. Yeah. 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 But go fishing for them. Yeah. Go fishing <laughs> ideally. I mean, I've certainly done it with store-bought. Yeah. But locks, I don't have but... access to salmon around here yeah. right now. So. Well, although, up north. I am going to Alaska in a month and I may have to, uh, maybe somebody that has a salmon recipe that I could make out there could send it to me. Yeah. I have friends that have cooked and smoked and cooked pink salmon up in on the North shore of Minnesota. Hmm. Sounds amazing. And certainly for fishing on the great lakes or whatever. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is very simple. Um, I like deer hunting. A lot of people do just in Minnesota, roughly 500,000 Minnesotans will go deer hunting this year. And there are a couple of cuts that come out for the deer. If you butcher it yourself, the, the back straps, and the tenderloins. Those are the two cuts of meat. And 
I don't get cute with this. This is just steak. And um, I use, it's called the Ultimate Steak and Roast Seasoning made by Walton's. If you go to waltons.com, they, uh, they sell basically anything and everything that you could ever need to process your meat. Um, and they have this seasoning called the Ultimate Steak and Roast Seasoning. Everybody that I know that has tasted it, they're like, where'd you get it? I need it. So I like, my brother-in-law, he comes to me, he's like, hey, you got any more of that seasoning? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I use it on all my steaks now, but I just put it on that tenderloin or the back strap. You want to make sure that you've got an even, kind of like what I was telling you about with the walleye, you want to cook it evenly. So if there's a piece of meat that isn't as thick, that gets cut up separately and then everything gets cooked so that when I hit 145 degrees in the, on the grill, that's the second it comes out. And then you let it sit. And it's just like cooking a steak. But the problem is people don't like venison if it's overcooked mm-hmm. and again it goes back to i'll leave it on a little bit longer if you hit 150 it's going to continue to cook a little bit after you so 145 i know some people that'll go a little bit less than that even but i'm trying to tell you the safe number here that's 145 degrees and then get it off of there mm-hmm. and then let it sit for a little bit and then you can cook it up or slice it up and eat it and it's that simple nothing else is needed i mean sure you can pat it dry and you know, make sure that your yeah. your deer has been taken care of after you harvested it. Uh, that's That goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time. Take care of the wild yeah. game that you harvest if you want to enjoy eating it. What is, by the way, we're doing this again at lunchtime and hearing all these recipes. I know. I'm, I'm like, s- what were we thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting hungry sitting here. Um, we've got a few minutes left. I want to okay. ask... You, Travis, and yeah. and Brandon, you can weigh in on this too. What's the most single most unique thing that you've ever caught or hunted and cooked, if you have one? Brandon? I'm automatically out. I've, I've, I've never <laughs> hunted. I've, I've hunted twice. <laughs> I've fished for for nothing cool. I don't have anything exotic that I can say it really stands out. I've been to a lot of wild game dinners, mm-hmm. and I've eaten a lot of. Um, we were on a shoot down in Florida, probably a little over 10 years ago, probably. And it was an alligator hunt. Mm-hmm. And so one of the guys got an alligator and then we cooked that up that night. <clears throat> did they and, fry it? Did they do the little, little yeah, nuggets? Yeah, they did the nuggets. Yeah, that's what and I've had. it's like chicken. Yeah. It was a little bit more rubbery. And I think yeah, we've talked about it on the show before, but I think that's probably, uh, Brandon and I were just talking earlier with another guy and we were talking about snake. Oh yeah, and I had the most disgusting. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth. It was this big python. I think from Florida It was at a pheasants forever banquet. That makes and sense. That it's a if it was a python. Yeah, versus a rattlesnake. Because Brandon yeah. said he's had rattlesnake before. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's like it's not bad at all. But yeah. I can imagine something fatty, just like yeah. anything else. Like I was saying before, you are what you eat. And if you're a python, if you're just eating everything that's yeah. in your way, it was a ugh. thick cut. You know, it was a big fat yeah. snake and they, it was just like, I think the part that I had wasn't cooked enough. So <laughs> I made this comparison to it before, but have you ever had head cheese before? I, I don't think I've, I know. No, I don't think okay. I ever have. It's almost Brandon. Have you had it? 
I have seen it I feel and like been I frightened. Can, <laughs> I can very much imagine what it yeah, tastes like and feels like. And, it's kind yeah, of like I a gelatin it. of yeah. almost sort of. Um, like and, meat jello. Yeah. yeah, yeah, meat jello. That's kind of the texture that yeah. this snake had. But then in my mind, I don't like snakes to begin with. So in my mind then, um, you know, there's that. And then this thing is squishing around in my mouth. And it was not like, it was the least like, oh, gosh. I mean... I, lose, lose, all the way. It was across. a lose, lose. Yeah. I'm no longer hungry. Thanks. You, <laughs> yeah, you solved exactly. the issue. Appreciate you cured it. us. Um, I did not harvest it. Thank goodness. I had no part in it. I'm not a fan of snakes. Yeah. I can. I'll try most anything. Once I would say I did a show probably five years ago with an insect eater, mm-hmm. and we went out and we had these butterfly nets and we caught our own grasshoppers mm-hmm. and we cooked them up, and they were fine but she seasoned them to the point where yeah. it tasted like seasoning i've had fried grasshoppers but they're like teriyaki and yeah. so just salty and crunchy it covered the and, flavor yeah. so much yeah it was just a crunch you know when you bit down on it I'm trying to think if there's anything else i prefer to go for things that i enjoy yeah <laughs> you know? so or one i don't of, take them one of my favorite memories of fishing so i've got family that lives in greece yeah and one of my aunts more or less there. It's like my mom's cousin there. She and her husband have this little fishing boat that they take out for. And it's like exactly what you hope it would look like. It's like this white and blue wooden little Greek fishing boat. And they've taken me out a couple of times. I've had the opportunity to go a few times over the last few years, calamari fishing and you hand line for them. So you've got this, uh, like wheel essentially with, you know, line around it. Um, and probably a dozen or so lures on each one. So hand line fishing for them. And, you know, we've all probably, you know, we eat calamari at restaurants. It's not that unique or unusual, but getting to catch them and, you know, when you're there and eat them right there was such a fun experience. And I mean, it's exactly like, you know, you imagine them, you know, you've probably seen them in grocery stores and stuff. They're kind of funky and slimy looking, but they're super easy to clean. You just kind of like pop the head off. There's like one bone inside that, you know, once in a while they accidentally leave in. So you probably have seen it before at restaurants. You take that out. And we did a mix of like regular flour, semolina flour, and not even like salt or pepper and just fried them, topped them with some lemon from the garden out back. And yeah, in Greece, wow. they like to serve it alongside this uh, Greek spirit called sipado that basically tastes like tequila. So yeah. it's, it's, was, it actually goes pretty well with it, but it was probably one of the best little lunches that I've, I've ever had. Wow. It reminds me of a... a- my wife and I, we were out on a boat out of Rhode Island and we caught some huge striped bass. Mm-hmm. And the guy that we're with, he brought this, the, I mean, you're basically talking about sushi, you know, and he cut it up right there on our way back into the mainland. Um, there was like, there was three couples and we just like almost ate an entire bass on the way in. We're yeah. talking like a 30 pound yeah. fish. Like he had the soy sauce or wasabi or whatever yeah. it was. Like I had all of this stuff that he set out and then he thinly sliced this chunk of meat and we ate it and ate it and ate it. And it's like, you'll never have better. I mean, that's yeah. just, we go back to if you're out there in the elements with it and eating it and that, I wish we could do that with freshwater fish. Here. Yeah. I have a friend that makes ceviche mm-hmm. out of walleye. Oh. And he... He straddles, well, Matt Peters, who was in here yeah. for our last show. Yeah. yeah. He straddles the boundary on what's safe to do, but he yeah. claims that it, there's enough of the citrus or whatever yeah, in there that. it does technically <clears throat> cook the fish when you do ceviche. The citrus yeah. does 
cook it. Yeah. But it's, I've it's, never had it with a freshwater fish. Exactly. Most yeah. people wouldn't do that, but yeah. um, he does, and it's delicious. He's still. Yep. He's, he's still, still alive. He's uh, <laughs> abnormal for sure, but um, I can call him that because he's my friend. But yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, that goes back to just like whatever you're harvesting in in that space. If you can find a way to to eat it right there, it just like oh man, yeah. it takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've had some snapper on the beach that actually one snapper in particular that I wrangled out of a bull shark's jaws. I didn't With really your wrangle. Own hands? No, the bull shark let it go. I thought we were so having a I good wrangle, story time I mean, here, the bull Brandon. shark let it go. But I was I was a little a little shaken up. Bull shark next to my kayak in Panama. Oh. But yeah, we ate that. It was a yellow snapper. Just like you said, with little wasabi, little soy sauce right on the beach. Delicious. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Before we close, I do want to say, because I don't know if we'll get back to this topic again. Maybe we've, I have more to talk about. Uh, I know you have a, a long list as well. But one thing that I've been doing now that I recommend or encourage other parents to do, uh, my kids, you know, are getting into hunting. My son has hunted turkeys the last two years and gotten a turkey each of the last two years. And for us, it's a big deal to... Everything that we harvest is it's we're gonna bring it full circle. We're gonna cook it, prepare it. I've had them become pretty active in uh, making these meals as well, and my hope is that they'll enjoy the process, start to finish, like I do, <clears throat> and then they see where it comes from and where it goes and how they get to enjoy it. And they love jerky. They just love jerky, and it's one of those things that anybody can make out of basically any bird or animal that you harvest. Um, but if you do it with your kids, you can really create kind of a fun time with them. But when they are enjoying it, it's a great snack that's healthy for the most part. Um, you know, and my kids are constantly snacking on it. It goes so quickly. But I just think being able to prepare a meal or something that you've harvested together, prepare it together, and then eat it and enjoy it, it just, it just, keeps that love for the outdoors as something more than just we're going out there for the day and then I don't see what happens. Dad cleans it or mom cleans it or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm, maybe I eat it or somebody else does. Because mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people go on a hunt and they love the hunt, but they don't necessarily keep that food element alive yeah. afterwards, which I think is a very important part. For sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, are we... We're gonna wrap it up now. I think we do so. have more to talk about, but we can we can touch base on a few more of the the listener questions that we didn't get to at the start of the next podcast. Um, and also, if you do connect with us on Instagram, let us know what you would like us to cover on future episodes. So whether it's guest ideas or think other questions or things that you want to talk about, anything else that you want to add, Travis? Um, I think you did well today. Oh, thank you. I yeah. think you did well, too. Hey, thanks. Appreciate that. You I'm too, looking Brandon. at this list, and oh. I'm like, we could keep going. Like, <laughs> we could. If you only could eat one freshwater fish from here on out, what would you, and how would you prepare it? Okay, we got to answer that no, one. No, we We'll just let people come back next week. Okay, we will answer it at the start of the next show. There you go. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And something Travis was just alluding to, but we always like to to put out there, we really hope that the this podcast and the show encourages you to spend more time outside. And if you are an avid outdoorsman or outdoorswoman, we hope that you take some time to introduce it um, to friends and family and especially the kids out there. I think that's it. So we'll see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.